And look who's coming up. back to another edition of Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily. Uh, my name is Dean Millard, and it is uh, indeed a pleasure to have you aboard the program. Uh, I was uh, down for the count the last couple of days, uh, migraine attack. So started getting a better little bit last night in, in time for me to uh, actually see what happened in Major League Baseball last night. So that was nice to be up and active and uh, can't wait to be uh, out at Rogers Place today. Tonight, the Edmonton Oil Kings welcoming Connor Bedard and the Regina Pats. We're going to get into uh, how good of a deal it is to watch Connor Bedard right now in just a little bit, but we have a massive show. Uh, we tried to get uh, one of these guys on a couple of days ago, but we didn't have a show. But Eric Grossman is going to join us uh, from What's Your Call Sports. This is a guy who spent 15 years with the Toronto Blue Jays. So we're going to ask him, what would you have done with home run 61 last night? The ball. You know, we, we'll, we'll show you what happened with the actual uh, home run and the situation in a bit. But we'll talk with Eric about that. Uh, also, of course, the playoff chases, AL MVP, NL MVP races, and managerial changes. Was there an uptick for anybody when the Jays made their change? Don Mattingly won't be back for the Marlins. Tony LaRussa, Terry Francona both have health issues, might, might keep them out next year. What are the, what are the Angels going to do? Is there an, an ownership change? How much can that impact uh, the fantasy value? As I said, I think uh, an owner, any owner looking at the Angels, um, you come in and load them up because you know you win a little bit. You're in L.A. You're going to steal something from the Dodgers, especially with Otani and Trout still going. So anyway, we'll chat about that with Eric. Andy McNamara, Ask Andy. Thursday night football tonight, Bengals, Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins are everybody's sweetheart right now. The only undefeated team in the AFC. Joe Burrow had better protection last week. So this is trending to be a decent game, even though the Bengals are 1-2. and two. So if you have a question for your about your fantasy team, your fantasy matchup, your, your decision that you have to make, use the hashtag AskAndy. We'll find it on social media, and we will get the question to the master. Also, Michael Amato of Dauber Hockey, going to take a look at some training camp situations, particularly what is going on with Brock Besser in Vancouver, and how it may impact the lineup. We'll, we'll check in a few different things uh, when it comes to fantasy hockey uh, with Michael. Congratulations to Michael. Also uh, getting picked up uh, to work with Sportsnet. So great things happening. It's 
UFSD karma, I, I like to say. I don't think we have anything to do with it. All Michael's hard work. So we'll have that. Uh, top three question of the day. Games to watch later tonight. I'll be at the Oil King uh, Pats game watching the next number one overall pick. And we'll have bold predictions as well on the show. So let's start things off with the question of the day. Who has disappointed you the most in three weeks of fantasy? Lots of choices out there. Certainly lots of options. I mean, Tom Brady could be an option. I'm sorry to the Brady lovers out there, but this was going to end at some point. He was not good at all versus the uh, Saints. In uh, week number two, which he has never been good against the Saints. We told we threw out all those numbers. If you still started them, that's on you. Last week, marquee matchup. Two Hall of Fame legendary quarterbacks. Brady was better, 16 points, but still only one interception. Or one touchdown, rather. No interceptions. 271 yards. So Maybe depending on what your expectations are, Tom Brady could be there. For me, this is the the easiest thing when I look at my fantasy football lineup, but it's Josh Jacobs of the uh, Oakland Raiders, or Vegas Raiders. I apologize. Josh Jacobs, and I don't think I'm alone in this. Oh, by the way, the Viking Saints game, remember, it's a 9.30 Eastern start this weekend because that game is in London. These games always screw people up because they're not expecting it. The diehards, you know this. You got, you got your, your Excel sheets that have told you everything. But for the casual fans out there, 9.30 a.m. Eastern time, it is the uh, Viking Saints game in London. I'm not a huge fan of these, personally, but you do you, NFL. So Josh Jacobs this year has yet to reach the end zone, either in the air or on the ground. 192 yards, 0.0 touchdowns. I mean, Josh Jacobs is getting you some points, Sure. But if Josh Jacobs can't get to the end zone regularly. You're killing me, Smalls. Yeah, exactly. So Josh Jacobs, for me, has been the biggest disappointment. It's like, hey, Josh, think you can get to the end zone for me this weekend? Let me think it over, will you, Charlie? I got a guy on the other line about some white walls. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, exactly. He's a little bit busy not scoring touchdowns for fantasy owners. Thankfully, I have better running backs because Jacobs and his touchdown contributions this year. Zero point zero. Now, the reason I am not selling low 
on Josh Jacobs right now. Like, otherwise, I would have traded him. He is the only guy running the ball for Vegas right now. I mean, when you when you look at the number of rushes when it comes to the the Vegas Raiders, it's forty two of forty nine. It's all Josh Jacobs. So I, he's not starting in my lineup right now. I I started him the first week and then just didn't get a good feeling. But there's a he's going to get something. He's the only guy running the ball. And they finally did, I, I will give them a little bit, they finally did sort of start using him in the passing game a little bit more last week. But he needs to get to the end zone. Especially if you are in a touchdown-only league in which Josh Jacobs is in on my team. So Josh Jacobs for me, and, and also it also helps that I'm a Raiders fan, so it sucks seeing Josh Jacobs not be able to help that team as well. But there's got to be people out there, there's got to be players out there that have disappointed you. So drop it in the chat on Twitch in the message board. Who has disappointed you the most in three weeks of fantasy? You can also hit me up on Twitter at Duck Millard. And you can reach us on Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network at UFS Network on Twitter as well. Biggest disappointment for you through three weeks of fantasy football. All right, uh, Aaron Judge last night hit a remarkable home run. And you know what? Why don't we take a look at it right now, and then we'll discuss some unbreakable records in our top three because Judge tied a record last night that lasted a very, very long time in the American League. And the 3-2. Drill deep to left field. This could be it. See ya! He's done it! Number 61! He's been chasing history, and now he makes it! He and Roger Maris are tied with 61 home runs, the most anybody has ever hit in a single season in American League history! Sixty-one years ago in 1961, Roger Maris hit 61 home runs. That record in the American League is held up through all these years. And 61 years later, Aaron Judge has tied it. And you can see a sense of joy and relief on his face. It was wearing on him just a bit, but with that one swing, he makes history. All right, so remarkable uh, night in Toronto. Uh, for Toronto fans to be able to see that. So now that that record has been tied, and I don't think anybody ever thought 61 home runs was unbreakable, particularly when you look at the other numbers on the list. But it just gets you thinking about records that may or may not be broken. So... What are your top three most unbreakable records? 
I like no, but this this record is incredible. I mean, listen, you can you can brag all you want about Cal Ripken and Lou Gehrig. That's that's fine. They weren't playing goalie without a mask. Gimme Glenn Hall five hundred and two straight games in net. A lot of them without a mask is no chance that there's how many straight seasons is that right now? You got 82 games a year. I'm terrible at math. I'm not even going to attempt. But it's five straight seasons plus of not start not taking a break. So that's never obviously getting broken. And a lot of this is because how the game, how all these games are being played. Cy Young, 749 complete games. I mean, a pitcher gets bonus points now if he goes six innings. <laughs> Cy Young is like, hold my beer. If a pitcher goes six innings and gives up three or less runs, they get a quality start. The complete game has, like, it is such a rarity. It has gone the way of the dodo bird because the game has totally changed. I mean, this is, this is how far ahead. Cy Young has the record of 749 complete games. Of the top 100 pitchers on the complete game list, none of them are currently playing. So it's there's not a that, that is never ever 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 like the the guy who is two is is a hundredth on the list is Tom Seaver, that is never getting even a chance, unless there's some sort of cyborg that comes into Major League Baseball. Like remember those Major League Baseball games where the robots were involved, and Jerry Rice twenty two thousand eight hundred and ninety five receiving yards in a career. Again, look at the list. There's Jerry at 22,000, almost 23,000. Makes you think like, geez, you just needed a little bit more to get that round number. Larry Fitzgerald is number two at 17,492 yards. Julio Jones is the, the guy that is closest and still playing. And he is almost 10,000 yards behind. So that is never going to be broken. Like those records right there, they have no chance of being broken because of the game. The game? I've never heard anybody say that. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. It's the way, certainly, no goalie plays that much. I mean, 50 games is a lot now. And pitchers barely go past the sixth inning, seventh inning if you're lucky, and then the receiving. So it's it's ridiculous, and it's awesome. I, listen, I love looking at unbreakable records. Tony says, welcome back, Dean. Thank you very much. Most points in a season, Wayne Gretzky, 215. I, I think guys like Bedard and McDavid, if the NHL opens up again, can take a run at that. I, no, nobody's going to score 92 goals. Obviously, Gretzky's goal record is somewhat in jeopardy, a lot of people think, with Alexander Ovechkin. I kind of, unfortunately, think time, and father time is undefeated, but COVID time, losing that time, getting older, 
naturally, like just nobody has the drive forever. I think Alex Ovechkin's going to come up short in the Gretzky record, but I want to see him take a run at it. I don't think it, nobody's scoring 92 goals in a season. I don't think. 50 and 39? I guess you'd have to have some incredibly good games for that. So anyway, what are your unbreakable records uh, when it comes to sports? Uh, we'll have some fun double back on this throughout the show. But tonight, it is Thursday Night Football, the prime game. Tyreek Hill, he is ready for tonight. He said, Eli Apple, I'm coming for you. Tyreek Hill, the cheetah, is hungry for tonight. So here's your start sits, in my opinion, as the dude would say. Uh, We'll get Andy McNamara's thoughts on this when he joins us uh, at 5 p.m. Eastern. But Tua, start. And he's going to put up more than the points projected here. Joe Burrow, start. Chase Edmonds, I'd put him in the flex, and I'd start Raheem Mostert. He's he's getting more of, and if you have both of those guys, well, you're just hoping that there's a balance. But I think Mostert's going to start taking over. Mix and start for sure. Uh, don't start anybody else in the uh, the Bengals' backfield. Tyreek Hill is going to explode. Start him. Start Waddle. They were quiet last week. They will be better. Uh, start Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Maybe Higgins in the flex spot and don't start either tight end. What do you think? Start sits tonight for Dolphins, Bengals. 3-0 Dolphins coming off a win over the Bills where their fantasy performance, I mean, Tyreek Hill was non-existent. He is going to pop tonight. And he said it after the game last week. So we'll get Andy McNamara's thoughts on this a little bit later on in the show. Give me your thoughts, though. Drop it in the Twitch chat, and we will discuss as we roll through the show. Still to come, though, when we come back, Eric Grossman is going to join us. What happens when that 61 ball is hit and it's in Toronto? I wonder what the Jays were thinking last night. Eric will join us. We'll discuss some baseball different news. And notes, oh, Tony's saying the Dolphins are going 4-0. I would, I would think that's a, a popular choice tonight. Um, especially if the, uh, the Bengals' front line from the first two weeks shows up as opposed to last week where Joe Burrow was only sacked twice. All right, we're going to dive into some baseball. We're going to have some fun. We're going to talk about uh, some crazy stories going around Major League Baseball and, of course, that wonderful playoff chase that will be happening as well. This is Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily. We're back to talk some baseball in just a sec.
All right, just past 4.22 Eastern Time. My name is Dean Millard. This is Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily. We are here Monday uh, to Friday, and uh, this is the best time of the year to be talking sports. I mean, it literally is. Like, tonight, I could watch... uh, you know, I could watch a Thursday night football game with the undefeated uh, Dolphins team. I could watch um, the chase for history in the playoffs in Major League Baseball. And I can go to the rink and watch the next great superstar in hockey, Connor Bedard, because the Regina Pats are here. I mean, it really is awesome. You could watch preseason uh, hockey if you want as well. Uh, it's not as exciting, but it's still, you know, we're getting close to that uh, beautiful time of the year where all four sports uh, do indeed collide uh, was amazing. Do you know? Be, back in the day, doing sports casts uh, when these things were going on, uh, it was awesome. Just to, you know, doing highlights of all four sports in a single day. It is absolutely uh, the magic time of the year. I like to say, and we're going to talk with uh, a gentleman uh, who has experienced the uh, fall ball uh, up close and, and personal, and uh, is uh, has some fun stuff going on now with what's your call of sports. As I'm joined by uh, Eric Grossman once again, Eric, thanks so much for joining me, being patient with me as I was uh, down for the count the past couple of days. But uh, man, um, history made last night, and you know, it's a guy who you know worked on a baseball team uh, for a baseball team for a long time in the communications department. I mean. What would what do you think this moment would have been like? What what the, what was this like for the communications team? Because this is you know important night for the Yankees, but it's in Toronto. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and again, thank you so much uh, for having me on, Dean. Um, yeah, it's incredible. Like you know, I was thinking, oftentimes when I'm watching, I'm like, oh, you know, it it would be cool, you know, to experience you know something like that. You know, working there for 50, you know with the Jays for 15 years, you know, you experience a lot of stuff, but. You know, nothing, never had a 61 or anything like that. What I always, what I always tried to do, um, even like sometimes to a fault is I don't ever want to interfere with the moment. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I never want to get in the way of a player's um, emotional state, um, especially when it's such a positive one like this. Um, So what I would do is basically let the player lead the way, whatever they're comfortable with is what I'm going to be comfortable with because ultimately you just you want them to be comfortable that's that was my that was always my mind frame so um it's it's truly amazing that it happened in, it happens in toronto i hope he gets uh, 62 as soon as he can as soon as mm-hmm. possible that's the that's obviously the that'd be the the one for sure you know i it's always crazy hearing these stories and you see people like you know i bought a ticket last minute went to the game and caught mark mcguire's 70th ball and i think the guy that bought that ball ended up selling it for three million after the 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 cardinals i think mark mcguire said no i don't want to meet him and the guy's like okay i'll just go sell the ball for for three million have you ever had to negotiate with with a fan and uh, over some some you know milestone moments for baseball players or you know in in hockey the puck is right there and football they're right there it's it's the one sport where it's kind of hard to get that milestone ball back sometimes oh man i wish um i'm gonna give a shout out to the guy i worked with mal romanin so so mal romanin he was the uh, manager of baseball information he was in minnesota i want to say when frank thomas hit his 500th i do believe in minnesota so he was responsible for trying to get the ball I'm trying to remember exactly how that went down. So Frank Thomas hits the home run when he was with the Jays for that uh, one or two years he was there back in 07, I want to say. He hits his 500th home run. 
AJ, Bur a um, AJ Burnett's on the mound, and I believe Burnett got tossed in that game. I'm just trying to remember. Mal had to go in. There was something with Burnett, and then there was something with Frank Thomas. I think the 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 main part of the story was that Mal had to go and talk to that fan who caught the ball on behalf of Frank. I do believe, and that if I it was so long ago, I wish I you know had a better recollection of it, but it was not easy, Dean. It was really really difficult to get that ball, because um, I get it. It makes sense, right? From both sides, like, like, what would you do if you're in that situation? It's a great question. I don't know. What would you do, Dean? Well, well, listen. If I'm, you know, it depends on my my financial yeah. situation. Who who can turn down three million dollars for catching a ball, uh, whatever? At the same time, I mean, the guy who uh, caught the the one judge ball gave it back. Uh, because yeah. he said, you know, Judge has done so much. Like, that's amazing. Like, that guy could be giving away millions. I, I guess it depends on on who you are and what that person, player, means to you and your family and what it could mean financially. I, like, I, there's not a, not a chance I would fault anybody for catching one of those balls and selling it. I mean, yeah. that's your right. You bought the ticket or whatever as a fan. They're, they don't, there's like, you know, when, when Mike Evans threw that Brady ball into the crowd, they did everything to get that ball back. But that fan could have said, no, that's, 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 that's my future nest egg for my family. I would not blame anybody. So uh, honestly, if I'm a 25 year old kid, I'm probably selling that ball. It's hard to argue, isn't it? I know that, you know, it's, it's, it's like literally winning a lottery ticket, a winning lottery ticket, just being shot at you and you have it in your hands. Like, it takes a lot, like you know the the Yankee fans who just gave the ball to, to um, back you know back to Judge when he hit his what was it his sixtieth I think yeah. that was I mean it was I honor that too like I think I really respect that someone just just to get a bat back or a signed bat or something like that that seemed pretty easy but again not for me to say he they were the ones he was the one that got the ball so um, I can I definitely see it both ways but man I wish I remembered that story I remember Mal was telling me it was really hard to get that ball. And uh, yeah. the Frank Thomas 500. So I can only imagine what this one would be like. So yeah, the, the, the negotiations yeah. and and everything. But you're right. Like yeah. it's part. You know, the the thing I would not fault the fan is that at least the player has the bat, the gloves. Like they yeah. have everything else, right? So yeah. do they need the ball? I guess they if they really want the ball, they can negotiate. But anyway, it was a great moment. Uh, like you said, it was neat that uh, it, it happened in uh, Canada, and it's it needs it's neat that it happened with two teams that could face each other in the playoffs. I mean, when you listen to that call, like and you watch that, there was like respectable applause. But as Jays fans are like, no, this is the Yankees. This is a team we could be playing in the playoffs. We respect your accomplishment, but we're not going. On. It wasn't like the Dodgers fans cheering for Albert Pujols the other day. <laughs> so true and what did you think about when the fans were actually booing <laughs> when, you know the, what? the other day when yeah what did you think about them when they were when they were walking I'm like i think they walked like four times right yeah and and because they want to yeah. see history yeah yeah i it's again it's hard it's really and who would have thought who would have thought there'd be a day where the yankees are coming into toronto and you're booing the blue jays not the yankees yeah yeah, because you want to see history. <laughs> I mean, and then, and it's like, yeah. you know, Wayne Gretzky gets traded from Edmonton to L.A. He comes mm -hmm. back with L.A. and obviously gets a standing ovation like players do. Uh, and the only time he got cheered after that was when he scored, broke Gordie Howe's record. Like, he was uh, the opponent. He was, the, the you know, the, the other guy on the other side. It's like Kobe Bryant. I don't know if you've seen the Redeem 
documentary where he just runs over Paul Gasol. He's like, this is not my teammate. And he's, he's like, yeah. that's, that's pro sports. Like, the, you know, yeah. the Blue Jays fans, I liked that they wanted to see history. But then it was like, okay, that moment is over. You are now the enemy again. And what a race this is going to be. I mean, this is better than I, I, I can. You and I talked last time. Does it feel different? This is so much better than I expected because so many teams, there's so many moving parts every night. And it's not just where you finish. It's where you finish and get to host an entire series. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And again, we, we did talk about this last time, you know, whatever, you know, um, people have, everyone has their own opinion. That, that's what makes sports so great, really. Um, some people like the way it used to be. I'm only in favor of what's going to benefit the game, what's going to benefit the fans. That's the only thing I'm interested. If this works for the fans, then it, you, you just keep it. Like with, when, when the NBA added that extra, like that one game playoff thing, right? Or, right? Like it, it just, all of a sudden 10 teams are now involved. Like the, the more, the more teams you get to, it shines a light on more players. You know, there's more interest. I think overall it's great, but you know, I'd be, I, I always kind of get a little bit resistant when, when um, a team gets the host for three games, like this should be, that should be interesting mm-hmm. because I always, I always felt like to be on the road sometimes, especially in baseball, it was almost sometimes better. You, you're almost more relaxed if that makes any sense because sure. you're not trying to put on a show. You're not trying to, you know, you don't, there's less headaches. There's, there's less um, distractions, if you will. Um, when you're at home, um, it's almost too familiar. It's, it, you know, it, again, also depends on the venue. Blue Jays might be a little bit different at the Rogers center to host those games might mean more than someone else. But, you know, I remember, I remember when we played the Rangers in 15, we lost the first two at home and then we won the next two on the road. And then what led to game five, which is obviously a magical game, but like, mm-hmm. but the road, it, it, you just, I find that you relax sometimes on the road a little bit more. You're more focused on the actual game itself, not worrying about tickets here, not worrying about families over there. It's just, it's just you and your team. I mean, some family might come out, but not always. It just, you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like that's, I wouldn't guarantee a, a victory just for, you know, just because you get to host three games, to be honest with you. Yeah, just because you get last uh, last at bat. Yeah. And, and the, the big thing, yeah. honestly, and this is not by any means getting political, but the yeah. vaccination status change is massive for teams looking at saying, holy, we have to go into Toronto for three games without so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. So that kind of is, is out of the, the question now, and I, I really am I'm happy for that. And Toronto right now, you know, like Baltimore loses, and Baltimore right now is losing 5-3 to the Red Sox in the ninth. So if this happens, the Jays clinch, then they can just focus. And, you know, people always say, oh, if you can't get here, you should drop to here. You can't just drop. You can't just go out and say, oh, we're going to drop to six now. Like you want to, you know, if you can catch whoever you can catch, you catch them and you you finish where you finish. You always want to go in on a roll. This this notion of trying to set yourself up to play a weaker opponent is bad karma. 100%. Oh, you never, I hope... Yeah, you never want to be in that position. You never want that that mindset. That's damaging. It really is. And I don't think many. I don't think players really think like that. But do you remember when they changed the playoff format when there's only four teams that there that actually was happening? That the <laughs> game down. Do you remember that? Where wasn't where winning your division wasn't a big deal. No, it wasn't. You didn't get anything extra. There was no buy. There was no nothing. So I remember there was the Yankee. I think it was the Rays and another team didn't want to play the Yankees or whoever, or someone in the first round, or it was the Rangers actually. They didn't want to play Texas in the first round. So 
Joe Madden with the Rays in the last game of the season where if they had won, they would have played Texas. He didn't he, – he went with a, like a, a bullpen game. He didn't even start his pitcher. Huh. So they were, and the Yankees were doing the same thing. They were trying not to win. That's just bad for baseball. I think that's probably what spearheaded that change, if I recall. Yeah, you you just never. That's just a situation you never ever want. Like that's yeah. you're 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 affecting the integrity of the game. You're yeah. affecting so many things. So you always need to put your best team uh, forward. But this is going to be fun. I mean, this is this this is. Uh, a playoff chase where you got both New York teams uh, in the playoffs. That's really good for baseball. Obviously, you got LA, you've got the Canadian market. So, you know, then you've got some some markets that you didn't think that you were going to have in Cleveland. Um, you know, as I said, Baltimore is going to likely uh, fall out of the race. You got the defending champs in. I mean, this is a really good, in my opinion, debut for this playoff format because you have big markets and you have familiar teams, the defending champs, and all that stuff. So I think. This is a, it's going to be really good for baseball, in my opinion. hundred percent. I mean, this is what you want, right? You want those, those, the, those big names and the big lights. And this is really, you know, this is what it comes down to. This is what, this is why you st- stick with 162 games, you know, for this exact moment that we're in. They have those big markets like New York. And I'm, I'm actually kind of happy to see the Mets be good again. It's, it's great. It's, it's good when, when those teams are, are really good. It really helps the league. It really does. Um, and yeah, and then you get those little underdogs. Like this is something, you know, ask your listeners or, or, or figure out because every year it seems like there's always one surprise team in each league, no matter what. So then it's kind of fun to pick who would that dark horse be in each side? Because there's, there's always one that kind of does a little bit of damage, a little bit of noise before they meet their match kind of, you know, per se. But who there, like Dean, like in your mind, like who do you think are those two teams? Like one from each, one from each league. Who do you think? Well, I think certainly Cleveland. Um, yeah, I think is it, that's the, every, I think that's everybody's kind of Cinderella. Baltimore was yeah. that team for a while when they were, uh, in the running and the, those young players are, are really exciting. Um, from the American league or from the national league, I don't know. I don't know what to think of the Padres right now. Like are the Padres playing possum or are they just really this bad? Like it's, it's, I, there's, there's no contest in that NL West. So, you know, it's it's weird. Like the Dodgers have won a hundred and seven games, <laughs> and they're, and they're so far ahead of everybody that nobody's even talking about them. There are some teams, and you know who they are. They can turn it on. Like they're the, those old, like not the old veteran, but like you know, teams like the you know the Yankees or whoever. Like teams that have players that like kind of like been there, done that kind of stuff. Those yeah. guys can they can like the old Jays teams. Like they they could. They could, you can turn it on when you want. The Padres aren't in that, that league yet. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, you always end up, you always end up who you are when it's all said and done. Like, this is the one thing to keep an eye on um, for the playoffs. Who's got the, who's got a lot of versatility in pitching? Who's yeah. got deep pitching? Not just starters, but relievers. Because ultimately, it's going to come down to bullpens. But here's the tricky part, and this is why I don't always put. Like regular season, postseason, it's of course you got to be good in regular season to get to postseason. But I mean, when you get to the postseason, all of a sudden, guys that you that guys who start can now come in in the eighth inning and ninth inning. Like you would never see that in the regular season. Like right. Clayton Kershaw is not coming out in the ninth inning ever <laughs> during the regular season at any point. But how many times do you see a dominant starter who it's not their turn in the rotation, but they just raise their hand, and say, "I'm ready." 
Skip, like I throw I don't me like in, it. And all I'm sudden, not crazy about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know yeah, why? Because right. you're 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 going over the guys that got you there in the re- in the regular season in that spot. Dave Roberts did that a few years ago, and I didn't like it. I like, I mean, your bullpen guys yeah. are your bullpen guys for a reason. If those bullpen guys are gassed and they can't go, yeah. I totally get that. But don't yeah. don't I don't I don't like stepping over a guy whose role it was all season to bring in a guy who has hasn't pitched in that role in how long? Maybe once, twice a year, if that. It's not for it's not for everybody. No. You can't just pick and choose who you want to do that. You have to be made for that. Um, there are certain players like remember that year Baumgartner with the Giants, he completely just took over. Yeah. So this is this is my this is my point. Like the point I was trying to make is anything goes in the playoffs. Not everything doesn't go in in the regular season. You're right. So like all of a sudden Baumgartner's absolute dominant. Like he he literally won that that <laughs> World Series for them. For the Giants, he came on. There was one game I remember. He came in the sixth inning, and he's just like, "Okay, I got it. Thanks, everybody." Yeah. And, and then the other teams, and then the other team was going, "Oh man, like yeah. that was well, the last thing in the world they wanted to see." The Diamondbacks yeah. did it with Johnson and Schilling when they had yeah. them too, right? To, yeah. to close out that series. Exactly. So you're you're right. It does go. And and if your pitchers are gassed, I I totally get it. Uh, you know what team I I would not like? I'm a Dodgers fan. The team I don't want sure. the Dodgers to face is the St. Louis Cardinals because they're that veteran team that I think you're talking about that can turn it on, and not just because of Pujols, but Goldschmidt, Arenado, and and their pitching staff, like Wainwright and Yadier Molina, set the record for most uh, batteries uh, pitching and catcher battery matchups in Major League Baseball. And the thing is, like we've all been so excited about Albert Pujols, we've kind of forgotten about what Paul Goldschmidt has done this year. And and you and I. We're going to talk about AL MVP and NL MVP. Yeah. You know, I think everybody is now on board with Judge. Is there somebody challenging Paul Goldschmidt, do you think, in the NL? Is that why we're not hearing enough about him? Because for a while, it was all the rage, and then Pujols mania kind of took over. It, uh, for me, it's still Goldschmidt and Judge. That Those are my two. Do you have different names? I actually, I kind of do. The Goldschmidt one, I, I'm not like, I want touching Goldschmidt. Like, that's my guy. Um, Freddie Freeman, I would, he'd be my runner up. So, like, it's, you know, I like what Freddie Freeman, like, he's just an unbelievable hitter. He's just an unbelievable player. Like, yeah. it's not that easy. It's really not that easy. Um, same goes for Goldschmidt. They just make it look so easy. Um, you're not going to let, you're not going to, probably people are going to love my American League one. It's so obvious, obviously, with Judge. It's just so obvious. Like, he's just so, like, he hit the year he's having. It's not just the home runs. It, he's more than the home runs. Like, he's literally carrying, like, like in base, yeah. baseball is the best sport because one guy is not going to, like, you know, like, Bryce Hart, you know, Bryce Hart was an unbelievable player, and the Washington Nationals won the year he left. Like, does that make any sense to you? No, no. Does it make any sense to you that, that Mike Trout, who's, like, the best player we've ever seen, they don't even, they never, they're always 20 games below 500 at the end when it's all said and done. So this year, so this is where I'm leading with this. So my pick is actually not Judge. It's, it's Otani. It's, mm-hmm. It is. I'm, I'm going with Otani, and here's, here's why I'm going with Otani. Because Aaron, Aaron Judge has to go 14-8 and eight with a 247 ERA and throw 153 innings with 200, 203 strikeouts with a whip of 107 and averaging 11.9 strikeouts per nine innings and having 10 strikeout 10. 10, 10 strikeout games of 10, 10, or, uh, 10 or more strikeouts. Sorry, 10 games of 10 or more strikeouts. With the four triples, with, with sorry, fourth and triples, fourth and home runs, fourth and slugging, and fourth and OPS. 
Otani's so Otani's a sup, two superstars rolled up into one. Yeah. So so is that fair? It's not really fair, but it's also not fair to um, disqualify Otani because he's That's on right. a bad team. You, so you're right. Switch, if they just switch, it's, it's fair. Yeah. It's fair because yeah. it's 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 happening. Yeah. And like Otani's pitching year. Uh, I yeah. think I read the other day, it's kind of like what, what Corbin Burns did last year, which is exceptional. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's also not fair, or maybe it is fair, to hold Otani to his standard of hitting last year, right? Like his, yeah. he's fourth in a lot of those categories, but it's not last year. So I don't know. Is yeah. it fair to um, hold Otani last year and he has to live up to that standard? Um, yeah. I, 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 it, it is a really hard argument when you hear how high up he is. But it's still not like uh, is he hitting forty seven home runs? Like uh, no, he's got thirty four. So he's forty. 30. That, that's the thing. I, I it would have taken Otani to do exactly what he's doing for me not to pick Judge. Like he needs to be dominant, like dominant on both sides. If he was lacking in one of them, yeah. like let's say he was just good pitcher, just a good pitcher, not great, just just good, right? Or or yeah. reverse. If he was just good hitter, great pitcher, but good hitter, it's Judge one. Like it would take. It took what Otani's doing for even me to even think about somebody else, right? It's that, I just, it's such a crazy game baseball where you can have Otani and, and Trout. So basically Babe Ruth <laughs> and Mickey Mantle on the same team. And they don't even, they're not I'm even sorry, close yeah. to the playoffs with the extra teams that we talked about to make it, even with the extra teams, they're nowhere near it. So yeah. it's an unbelievable game that, you know, you, you just can't fault a guy. Like, like Otani's got 14 wins on a team that doesn't have that many wins, Yeah. <laughs> right? So it's, People, you've probably heard the argument before, like you can't pick an MVP if they didn't make the playoffs. Well, not in baseball, because in baseball, you can't control a game. He, he only can hit four times or five times in a game. He's not going to go five for five with five home runs. He can only do so much when you only get four mm-hmm. bats. Judge, Judge has four bats. He gets walked four times. Well, then he really had no chance to make an impact, really. I mean, he still did, but you, you see what I'm saying? In basketball, we'll take the bat out give, of his hands, yeah. Yeah, just give LeBron the ball when you're in a tough spot. He'll go get you 30 points. Like, you know what I mean? You can go to your, your best players, your Kevin Durant. Yeah. You know, just everybody move away. Let them do their thing. In baseball, you're either waiting for the ball in the outfield to get hit to you or you're trying to get some good good pitches when you're batting, but there's only so much you can influence, you can do. So, so like, what Otani is doing, I don't know. Do you feel like it's not getting an – I almost feel like people are taking it for granted. Some of you are just taking it for granted. Like, they're going like, aha, like, that's so cool he's doing that. So cool. But I don't know if people really understand, like, what exactly this means? <laughs> yeah, like I what exactly he's doing. I certainly don't think it's getting the coverage it got last year because of the yeah. home run chase and and Albert Pujols uh, kind of uh, to and and again the Angels suck again. Um, like yeah. which which it sounds like a Ron Schneider line or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, and 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 so. I think it's not getting covered as much because there's just, you know, maybe people aren't taking, if people are taking this for granted, they're crazy. Cause how much longer can honestly Otani do this at the highest level? Like how much longer can he be top five pitcher, top five hitter before he has to morph into one or the other? I, I honestly do wonder, or unfortunately injuries take over because this is massive stress on his body. So 
people that take this for granted are crazy. I, every time I see Otani coming up to bat, I'm tuning in just like I do with Judge, just like I was doing with Pujols, because I don't know how much longer we'll be able to see this. And as much as we think there might be other players, it's like what we talked about, just hit it where they aren't. Well, it's just not that easy. And it's just not that easy to become a dominant pitcher and a dominant hitter. Like, John Olerud was one of those guys coming out of college and, and had to choose, right? I still think most guys are going to be asked to choose because most guys can't do this. Otani was in, in Japan, you know? The, the, yeah. It's totally different than going through the college system in Major League Baseball or whatever. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And that was it. That, and that exactly was my point. There's nothing else he could possibly do. <laughs> There's not, you couldn't ask him to do one more. Like, like what's the manager going to say next year? Say, Hey, would you mind raising your batting average? If you're like, while you're at it or something like, like there's literally not like that's my point like he's done everything he could do and it's still not enough to for them to be less 20 games over below 500 which again in any other sport if you had mickey mantle and babe ruth the equivalent on on to their sport at the beginning of the year you're picking them to win aren't you or at least you should the conversation yeah uh jays by the way officially clinched the playoff thought so that's great uh we'll find out where they're going to play in the uh, the next week or so. Uh, but I've, I've taken up a lot of your time. I want to ask you this, though. We, we just talked about the, the Angels and what's going to happen. You know, there, there could be more managerial changes there. There could be an ownership change there, which is even bigger of a landscape changer. But let's focus on managers. Don Mattingly is not coming back for the Marlins. Who knows if Tony La Russa and Terry Francona are going to be back. The Blue Jays made a change. This is obviously a fantasy show. When guys are looking at, like, I know guys right now that are saying, oh, this player in Philadelphia under Tortorella is going to be awful, or this player under this coach. Managers have such a huge impact on not just how a guy plays, where he plays. When you're looking at fantasy, like, did you see an uptick in a few Blue Jays players? And, and are there guys out there that you're like, oh, this guy could really suffer, or, or this, this manager, this team needs to get this type of manager? I know it affects guys with stolen bases. You know, a certain aggressive manager comes in and you get the green light a little bit more. But, you know, managerial changes might have the biggest impact of anything when it comes to fantasy because those are the guys doling out the lineup. Yeah. I mean, the, the biggest thing I've seen from a, what makes a good manager, from my, just from my experience, that it's getting to know each person, each player individually. You can't manage the same person the same – you can't manage everybody the same way. Everybody's got their own rules. It's not preferential treatment by any stretch. It, I mean, it is, but it isn't. You can't manage Bo Bichette the way you're going to manage Vladimir Guerrero. You can't manage Vladimir Guerrero the way you're going to manage Matt Chapman. You can't, and so forth and so forth. Each, you have to really understand the player. So I think what happened with in the Blue Jays situation when they made that switch, when, and I actually, at the time, I said it was a great, great move. It was a great call. I actually think it saved your season, to be honest with you. I really do. Um, I, it, Bo Bichette took off. Soon as soon as that happened, Bo Bichette took off. Now, why? Just because you just because you change a manager? Um, well, in this case, it kind of did. It's you know it 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 could have happened. Could have you know could have it happened anyway? Of course, it could have happened anyway. He could have just taken off. It could have been a coincidence. But I actually don't think it was. I don't think it was a coincidence. I think I think Montoyo. He was a great guy. You know, he did the he did the best job he could, um, but it always comes down to the stuff that you don't see on the field. We all see the players. We all know that, you know, we can all say who can bat where, who can do this. You know, moving Bo, uh, Bichette down the lineup really helped him, 
right? It really, you can see it really, it really helped them. It just takes some pressure off. It just, you know, it's again, it's understanding your player. So Boba Shett, he really benefited from it, from the, from the managerial change. Chapman as well. I saw, I, I took a look at who had the better splits, you know, pre, pre all-star, post all-star. Bo, Bo Bichette and Matt Chapman for sure benefited. They had, they, their numbers jumped. Bo's is, he went from an average, um, a little above average to one of the best mm-hmm. in the league. Um, so you're talking overall man, managerial positions. Um, in the, I'm looking at the White Sox. What I always like to do with managers is like, okay, the, the season ends, where are your big payrolls and where, here's your big payroll and here's your winning percentage. They gotta be, they gotta yeah. mimic each other. They got a mimic. So if you have a high payroll, you need to have a high winning percentage. If you have a high payroll and your winning percentage is down here, that's the that's where you that's a target right there. So the White Sox are too talented to not be this good, right? So that's the first place I go. And I'm I, I'm um, I'm biased. I have to admit. I think Gibby would be amazing for mm-hmm. that. I really do. I really do because they have a little mix there. They have a mix between young and old, and they're all good. Yeah. Um, yeah, he. I would. I think he would be really good there. I mean, there's probably many others. Um, Cairo, I think, is the man. He's the manager there now. I think he'd be fine too. I, I think they might stay, but I think Gibby. Gibby's if he wants to do it, he'd he'd be good. Another one I, who I got to know a little bit, uh, Demarle Hale. Okay. Demarle Hale. He's he. That's a name I think you should keep an eye on. I really do. I think he would be a great manager. And the reason why I think he would be a great manager is because you've got to be very level. You got to be very level. You. It's okay to be emotional, but not not drastic. You've got to. You really have to keep it. Baseball's such a long season. There's always going to be like you. You can never live in the moment. Like no matter what happens in June or July, and even August to some degree. Like oh, you know they're they're in trouble now. They're struggling. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter until it's what now. It matters now, right? And you have you need a manager to have that same mindset. It's the ones that are the calmer, level-headed, think it over, hire a good team around them like another coach like coaches that that can teach and that can communicate with the players it's all about the communication so this is the thing i'll leave you with here dean this is the question i heard an interview uh with joe madden and he was saying you you know there's managers now that are very careful about when they accept jobs because managers want to manage right managers don't want to be told how to manage and have all this information thrown at them every single day and and Go by what you know, what the analytics are always saying. That he needs the analytics, he wants the analytics, yeah. but he wants he wants to be the guy that takes the information and then he uses it with the players and he can in- inform the players and not to overload anybody. Don't overload this guy. So any manager that takes a job today, you always find, wow, he's a young man. This person's a young manager. It's because they're willing to they'll do that. They they don't have any history, you know, there's you know, they'll they'll do whatever is needed to get done, right? But these these older types, I don't want to say older types, but the Joe the, the Madden types, right? Mike Soch, those guys, they have to be okay with the new way of how it's done. Otherwise, they won't take the job. So then you're looking at new you're looking at other a new pool of man, you know, managerial candidates. They're going to be in that younger age, that younger demographic who played a little bit, but who are big on the analytics. I think that's where everyone's going, right? But Dusty Baker, how great of a how great of a, an idea yeah. was that? Whoever came up with that idea for Houston. That that person uh, needs a something. I don't know who came up with that one, but that was you couldn't have asked for a better manager at that exact time. You know what? That person deserves the Nobel Peace Prize because <laughs> the Houston Astros were so yeah. hated, like they were yeah. so hated. And you bring in a guy, and listen, I'm a Dodgers fan. 
I love Dusty Baker because he was a Dodger, even though yeah. he was a Giants manager. He is universally loved. He's a cool guy. Like there's, I've read some books about him. He just sounds like back in the playing days, he was a real good dressing room guy, locker room guy. And so you're right. He went in there and he diffused a whole lot of stuff and and turned them around again. So I, I love it, and and I love that we can have these chats and 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 baseball fans can do that with you guys on Twitter. What's your call sport tell us a little bit about what's your call sports because it's pretty cool because we all like you say we all have our own opinion and 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 thoughts on even when it's a factual when it's an out we think it was safe and different (laughs) things like that which is probably the most argued call tell us about what's your call sports yeah i mean yeah appreciate the plug here like what's your call sports is we started out as just like analyzing controversial plays right so like, was he safe? Was, you know, was he out? Like, you know, um, was it a trap ball, not a trap ball, check swing, not a check swing, you know, those kind of things. But really when you broaden the scope, basically what we just talked about today, it's what's your call? What's your call? Who's the MVP? Who's the Cy Young Award winner? Who's gonna, who do you think is gonna be the sleeper team in the playoffs? Who do you think is gonna be the sleeper team? The player in the playoffs, who do you look for? Who's the player that doesn't get the recognition during the season, but shines in the playoff all of a sudden, some name that you may not have, you know, Herb so much like who who are these things what's your call your what's your call can mean basically anything it's basically just debating about sports in a professional manner right so and that's our platform that's what we want to be we want to be a place where you we provide some content but really it's it's for the fans and for the for the viewers to tell us what they want to see and what they're thinking and we can have really good debates and discussions really about anything to do with sports and and look, maybe one day what you call sports becomes just what's your call food, what's your call movies, what's your call music, what's your right? Who is the better band? This one or that one? What's the better concert you've ever been to? That one or that one? So like it opens itself up for for a big thing, but that's really what you call sports. It's that gray area, it's that it's that like was is safe or is he out? If if he was safe, why and it was called safe, why are you still arguing it? <laughs> the facts yeah. are the facts. But yet here we are as sports fans and you can basically debate anything. Yeah. Uh, how many years? How many years later are uh, Dallas Stars, uh, Buffalo Sabres fans arguing about Brett Hall's foot in the crease? Or you know, you go back to any number of calls in in football, baseball, basketball, uh, all kinds of controversial calls. But that's what makes sports beautiful. That's what makes it great. And the debate is uh, what makes it so much fun. So Eric, thanks so much for joining me again. I hope we can do this uh, again as the playoffs continue because I really enjoy it. And I know uh, some, some great comments on uh, uh, the uh, Twitch chat, uh, Alex King, Willie Gaiman saying great chat guys. What a great guest. So there you go. People enjoy the conversation. So hopefully we can do it again. Oh, I'm glad. And yeah, anytime Dean, anytime. Love to do it. All right. Thanks so much, Eric. Take care. You got it. Thanks so much. You bet. There's Eric Grossman from What's Your Call Sports. Check it out on Twitter at WYC Sports. And, and yeah, seriously, what's your call on anything? You can debate about anything. Tonight's Dolphins-Bengals game. Uh, no, Are the Dolphins 4-0 and tonight or the Bengals 2-2? Two and Is this a Dolphins team that is just going to keep taking the next steps or do they fall because of a big win over Buffalo? The protection for Joe Burrow, is it going to be there? Who knows? The Jays have clinched. The Dodgers clinched so long ago. Will they have the passion to to get to the playoffs and, and Major League Baseball's Holy Grail, the World Series? This is the best time of the year to be debating sports and doing it respectfully. So uh, when we come back, 
uh, good friend and uh, friend of the show, Andy McNamara. If you have a fantasy football question, throw it out either on Twitter, ask Andy, use the hashtag ask Andy, or throw it in our Twitch chat. Join us, twitch.tv slash ultimate fantasy sports. We will throw it at the man and we will help you get your fantasy football matchup set for tonight. And also for the rest of the week. Remember, just one game tonight. You might have a lot of questions about the rest of the week. So Andy's coming up. I'll get him set up in just a second. This is Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily. We're back right after this.
righty. Thank you so much. Just after 5 p.m. Eastern here on Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily. What a terrific conversation uh, with Eric Grossman of What's Your Call Sports. Just, you know, getting that behind-the-scenes look at what, how you would handle home run number 61. Um, you just don't, you really don't get that kind of insight every day. So that was a lot of fun, and uh, I hope uh, to have Eric back on the show many times. But right now... It is time for us to get you set for your fantasy football week number four. Andy McNamara joining us. Uh, of course, you can uh, use the hashtag AskAndy on social media. Uh, you can get your questions in. And uh, so my, my one question, our, our question of the day is, who has been the biggest disappointment uh, through fantasy football this year? And And I had to say... Josh Jacobs so far has been a big disappointment uh, for fantasy and for the Raiders. The only good thing is he's the only one carrying the ball, so you know he's probably going to get to the end zone at some point. But it has been a bit of a disappointment, certainly from from that standpoint. But I think there's a lot of other candidates out there that can be disappointments uh, this year in fantasy, just like there's some some breakout candidates as well, like there is every year. Absolutely, Dean. And yeah, it, it comes down to me when it comes to disappointment. What are you categorizing it as? Is it where you drafted him? Let's say, because I've been getting a lot of messages at Andy MC81. What did I do with Austin Eckler? Well, the answer is you do nothing with Austin Eckler. Right. They put with Austin Eckler because, because you're not going to be able to get anything better than Austin Eckler. However, if you look at where he was drafted, probably drafted top three. And so from that draft spot and that projection of you were hoping he'd be a you know game breaker 20 plus fantasy points each game he has underperformed you, you go to a josh jacobs where are people taking josh jacobs probably second round um i'm still think that there is upside and like you said dean it's all about opportunity equals success in fantasy football who's going to get the most opportunity it's going to be josh jacobs so i still think that there's a world where he can be fantasy productive but he's going to be your rb2 which is where i had him ranked anyway um, so I still don't think it's that that terrible. Where you look at, let's say, bigger disappointments are, let's say maybe like an Adam Thielen, who I had on the downturn anyway, but some people picked up maybe a little too high because of um, name recognition um, and that type of thing. So that's something you always have to to track as well. But yeah, it's we're now into that almost quarter point of the season, entering week four. So this is where, Dean, from now... And the next four weeks after that, we should see anybody who's been able to shake off any rust from the early uh, early part of the season, whatever, and really see who's going to hit their stride. Yeah, indeed. And guys that were hitting their stride uh, in week three, well, it's tough to argue against Lamar Jackson as the the price tag just keeps going up for this guy for whenever he does sign. Uh, and and Brandon Graham on the uh, defensive end uh, for Trout and Legion taking top performer honors in week three. And, I mean, Lamar Jackson, this, this guy is adding money to his dollar or his contract every single time he goes out. Oh, well, I kid with Ross, the uh, GM of the Legion yeah. team, yeah. because I hate the Ravens. I hate him. I hate him. With all my heart and soul, you see the brown stuff behind me. I hate the Ravens. I hate the Steelers. So to see Lamar Jackson, to have to put that out there and say, hey, to see that purple just drives me nuts. But you can't question the week that he had. And really, this whole Ravens team, fantasy-wise, Dean, when you look at it, though, it continues to neuter 
any fantasy value, any dependable fantasy value to any running back, whether it's our NFT UFFS signed athlete, Justice Hill, whether it's J.K. Dobbins, whether it's a bust the gust comes back, whatever it might be, there is always an issue because Lamar Jackson is the one who's running the ball. You see it right there, 107 rushing yards. Well, no other running backs going for over 100 yards likely there either. Yeah, it's it's it really it's. Listen, it's exciting uh, football. I, I I love watching it, but you're right. If if you're in fantasy football, um, you there you know there's there's certain. Uh, um, running backs to stay away from. And then, you know, when you look long-term, wherever Lamar Jackson goes, that's also going to impact that value. Absolutely. Uh, it's all about the surrounding pieces, right? It's all about the surrounding pieces and what the quarterback does. So, for example, um, you see somebody like a Derek Carr, who does have some high-end QB2 value. Uh, he, to me, has been always somebody that has been able to make the pieces around him fantasy-relevant while not being fantasy-relevant himself. Then you look at guys like Lamar Jackson who kind of suck up all the fantasy value for themselves. Then there's right. an in-between guy who I've been big on Dean since before the draft, before he was drafted and through his first couple of years now in the NFL is Jalen Hurts of the Philadelphia Eagles. You see Brandon Graham right there, his counterpart on the other side of the ball of the line, Jalen Hurts, because he's using his legs. He's becoming very, last year he was fantasy gold. This year he's continuing to be, but He's also making those receivers, those options around him. And that's where the real detail is for, um, for Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard, right? Even the backfield, Miles Sanders, and which I'm pretty surprised that Miles Sanders has been a quality RB too. I agree with you. For some reason, your fr- uh, screen is frozen. I don't know why. Uh, oh. Why don't you log out, that's weird. log back in really quickly and uh, we'll get you uh, unstuck. And Jalen Hurts, you're absolutely right. Uh, my bold prediction last week was Jalen Hurts was going to throw three passing touchdowns because he had been running in all the touchdowns. Uh, he ended up doing that and, and throwing for the three touchdowns. And that's especially huge in my touchdown-only league. That's where I have Josh Jacobs. Like Josh Jacobs is getting the ball a lot. He's just not getting to the end zone. That's where the disappointment is. And then the expectation of Jalen Hurts is, yeah, he's going to run the ball, he's going to run the ball, he's going to run the ball. Well, then he starts throwing the ball, and he starts becoming, you know, you 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 know, we're three weeks in, so it's a little premature, but you start thinking, this guy's going to be hovering around QB5 all year if this keeps up. Top five. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, absolutely. And he was a stud last year. He was a top 12 guy. Somebody last year I picked up in some of my redraft leagues where I had Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts. Uh, boy, I wish I took that strategy this year instead of going Dak Prescott. Trey Lance has not aged well, Dean, because of the injuries. Oof. Yes. Not good. Yes. No. Not good. I... But th- that same type of idea to see, okay, you got the legs of a young quarterback. Can his arm develop? What we're seeing with Jalen Hurts, it certainly is. Indeed, yeah. Uh, okay, so I'm just trying to think. Um, I've got my start sits here. So let's get to our start sits for tonight's game. And uh, yes. you can kind of check out my homework here and, and tell me what you think of this sort of lineup tonight going in uh, as far as point projections from uh, Fantasy Pros. So let's see. So for Tua... It looks, the latest report looks like he will play. He's really banged up. So I, I wonder if we're going to see him limited, if there's a possibility mm-hmm. he could be knocked okay. out and Teddy Bridgewater come in. Now, 
with that being said, this is one of those instances where it's, it's really good that the Dolphins have a quality backup quarterback. Because to me, while Tua has been balling out this year, and credit to him, uh, to me, if you can insert Teddy Bridgewater, who did quite well in New Orleans, and goes back to yep. my point of being the quarterback doesn't have to be fantasy relevant themselves, but they can make the pieces around them fantasy relevant. Teddy Bridgewater can do that. So I don't think, to me, I'm not going to start Tua, but it does not scare me to play any of the other Miami starters because of that fact that you have Teddy Bridgewater. So you have Chase Evans, absolutely. Raheem Mostert, yes. This is, it's very interesting. And I wonder for DFS plays, Dean, if people might want to be a, a little a little bold, a little dangerous, if you will, and maybe stack both yeah. Miami running backs. The reason being their uh, snap count and their touches are almost evenly split. The difference last week was Emmons got into the end zone. So you could see a variety of, you know, if it's split, does Mostert get into the end zone? Does Edmonds do both? So there might be a world, if you want to do a little contrarian, that you can play both guys. So I like that. Tyree Kill, yes. Jalen Waddle banged up as well, but looks like he will play. Um, I think you'd probably have to start him because he's. you probably don't have a better option. And Mike Gesicki, you know what? Track up until kickoff. If there's anything mm. weird that happens with Jalen Waddle and he's not going to play or something, put Mike Gesicki in. If he's playing, though, for sure, and it looks like, you know, th- there's no red flags, then I- I'm with you on the si- Gesicki part. But if one of those guys misses, Gesicki's a good go-to. That just that's hasn't been able to get the ball yet. That's it. That's really, really uh... – that's that's quite interesting, and and I I like you know the Tua situation. If you have a good option as a backup, sure. But like you know, I wonder like what do you get to? Do you like is is you know if you have you know Joe Flacco as your backup, would you start Tua or is Joe no. Flacco putting oh. up enough points with with the Jets? I mean, what I wonder you, you know you can only sit Tua if you have someone better. Right. And, and you if you have somebody better then then you do definitely, you know, go go that route. But at what point do you get to where you're like, OK, Tua injured is still better than this guy. Right. And we have to figure as well. And I think the uh, fantasy point projection 17 and a half is it probably typically the kind of standard for what you're looking for Tua between 15 and 17. That's right. kind of like a Jimmy Garoppolo type, you know, Der- lower than a Derek Carr for example, typically this season. Um, so don't get hung up as well when you look at people look at, oh, the fantasy point per game average. Make sure you're looking at each game. Game one against New England, 14.8. Game two, 43.86, which yeah. was that amazing game versus Baltimore. Then he got banged up and knocked out, so not a fair projection out of Buffalo. This game I like because if, if Tua can stay in the ball game, you are going to have to throw the football because Cincinnati – throws the football, and throws it some more, and then they're going to keep throwing. So we look at the Bengals. Joe Burrow, I don't care if the Bengals are 0-3, 3-0, whatever. Joe Burrow's throwing the football. He's a must-start. 100%. Yeah, it's it's, – and last week – much better protection for Joe Burrow as well. So uh, yes. maybe maybe things are getting better. Uh, Joe Mixon, I, I think it's uh, – uh, um, no, that's a uh, probably a no-brainer there. And then the the receivers, um, what, what do you think about Chase Higgins and, and Hayden Hurts being a sit? 
Well, it's good. I like where you were at with Mixon and Sam Pirine. And the reason you have Pirine in there is because he was a speculative hot waiver ad this week. Yeah. Because Mixon was injured in last week's game. Now, he's been fully cleared. Yeah. Good to go. Check marks all over the place. So Pirine is a definite sit. Um, if you did pick him up on waivers, I would try to keep him. You know, the, that stash type like a Khalil Herbert in Chicago, who's probably going to play this week instead mm-hmm. of Dave Montgomery. A Madison who might get some touches because Dalvin Cook isn't 100%, although it looks like he's trending in that direction for that London game this Sunday. So you look at mixing a start. The thing is, you got to play the receivers because it's like I said, they throw all the time. You can start Jamar Chase T. Higgins. I'll throw Tyler Boyd in there too, Dean. Heck, okay. make yeah. it a triple stack, make it a triple decker. You know, get put some meat on that. Let's go. Put some pickles and onions on it too. Those three guys can just ball out. Now the guy who gets hurt with that is Hayden Hurst. That's the problem. Um, and I've always liked his talent, the tight end. Out of Atlanta, he just never has been able to get a consistent play. He's talented, he's athletic, but he's just not getting it. It would take an injury to one of those receivers for him to get a bump up. So uh, with your list right there, I'm with you on uh, on all of it on the Bengals side. All right, uh, so Ask Andy, we threw it out uh, on social media. Uh, Rob has one, contemplating dropping Ramondre Stevenson to add Khalil Herbert, who you just mentioned, if Montgomery is to miss any significant time. Thoughts? Hashtag Ask Andy. So what do you think of Rob's question? Yeah, 100%. Um, And the thing is, too, with Ramondre Stevenson, uh, had a great game. Damian Harris also hit into double-digit fantasy points. The problem with New England is it's that dreaded committee word, Dean. That committee word. Because it could be this week, it could be Stevenson could be the guy, Harris could be the guy, both could be the guy, or Belichick could get weird with his whatever fight, uh, offensive coordinator. Could, and we've seen him before bring up some some rando to then go off or not throw the ball up. It could be all over the place. Mac Jones banged up. I really don't want to be touching that New England offense if I don't have to till I see what this looks like with that Mac Jones injury. So Khalil Herbert, Herbert for sure. If Montgomery sits, because we saw Herbert last year, and this is the example. Sometimes you don't have the luxury of knowing what a guy can do when he gets the chance. Herbert got the chance last year. That dude was a high-end RB2 when he was in there. He's a must-play, not even a flex team, RB2 level as a replacement. So if, if track the health of Montgomery. If he's out, you put Herbert in. I picked him up a couple of my leagues too, and I'm going that direction. All right, this is an interesting one. We, this comes back to what we just actually talked about. Uh, Scotty uh, says, start Tua or Rodgers? Hashtag ask Andy. And, like, if you have Aaron Rodgers and you're contemplating a banged-up Tua, that's where you say, okay, I'll wait and I'll uh, start Rodgers. Uh, even though, you know, the la, la, that, I think there was a great stat that you had Mahomes, Allen, Rodgers, and Brady all last week held to 19 points or lower. They still put up fantasy points, obviously. So that's a situation where your backup is fine. So you would wait, in my opinion, if Tua is as banged up as we think and not going to be able to dole it out, that's a guy you wait on and, and you, you start that guy. But if, if it's, you know, Joe Flacco or whatever it might be, you're, you're going with Tua. But in that sense, I think... You know, you can you can answer uh, the question, but my my response would be, don't start Tua. Yeah, I, I I'm going to wager and take the chance on the future Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers. The season to start not good, fantasy wise or real life wise, Dean, because you have game one 4.7 fantasy points, game two 16.36, game three 17.1. Not Aaron Rodgers types of numbers. We want 25 to 30 fantasy points. We want 400 yards, four touchdown games. 
Hasn't happened yet. I don't think it's necessarily going to happen against that New England defense either. But to your point, yes, you have a healthy Aaron Rodgers. Romeo Dubs makes a nice stack. Although that, I, I like the rookie and the combo with Rodgers. I would try to avoid it this week just because I think they'll, they'll really try to um, hanker down on Romeo Dubs. But overall, that stack is really nice. But yeah, you, you got to go with Aaron Rodgers. You know, and same if you got like Tom Brady. Go with the talent. Go with what's there and hope that this is just those first three weeks. They're shaking off the offseason rust and they'll get back to business. All right. Here's a Ask Andy trade uh, from VJ Investing. Uh, so he's investing in fantasy. Wanted to get uh, your thoughts on this trade offer, Andy. Being offered Eckler for C.D. Lamb and Everett. Um, so this goes back to people asking about Austin Eckler again, right? Like if, if you, if you can get him in a trade, you probably should depending on obviously, uh, at the expense and the price, because yeah. I think his stock is probably going to be going up. People are, if people are selling low, it's like Josh Jacobs. I'm not selling low on him right now because he's the guy getting the ball. He's going to get into the end zone. So your thoughts on that trade. So the, the uh, tweeter is asked, is, would be the one giving away Austin Eckler? No, he's getting Eckler for C.D. Lamb oh. and, and Everett. Oh, so he's getting Eckler and giving away C.D. Lamb and Everett? Hells yeah. yes. Yes. Yeah, right that's now, like no take-backs. Press the button. <laughs> yes, yes. No take-backs. Say no take-backs, no reviews. Here's the reason why, Dean. Here's the reason why. Despite we believe in the talent of Austin Eckler, friend of UFFS, yes. you know, Madison Vegas and all that, cool dude, very nice man. Where you drafted him, again, the expectations have not lived up. However, look at the numbers here. PPR specifically, which is where his real value is. 11.2 points, 18.4, 13.3. Not where you want them in the 20s, but certainly more than serviceable, right? Yep. The numbers are okay. They're fine. They're, you know, they're okay. And only going to get the better. The reason as well. Yeah, exactly. And they can get better, right? And you look at the match. And plus, Houston this week. Dream matchup. This is a get-right week for everybody in, in uh, uh, L.A. with the Chargers, I think. Here's the other reason, though. It is much, much more difficult to get a true RB1 than it is to get a starting wide receiver. Dean, every week I can get you a guy uh, off of waivers that can get you 10 fantasy points. Every week. So for C.D. Lamb, while I love the talent, super talented, you're still limited with Cooper Rush, who has performed above what you've what we've expected uh with Dak Prescott going up so you still have Cooper Rush Dak Prescott should be coming back soon but you have him they're leaning on the run game smartly and Gerald Everett I'm not buying I don't believe uh in no. him as a tight end talent uh, at all so I think you you get that deal you get Austin Eckler it is much easier to get uh, a more upper tier wide receiver fantasy help than it is for a running back Beautiful. Uh, 11 a.m. Eastern on Sunday, Ultimate Fantasy Football. It's that very important time where people, uh, you know, in the league, uh, what's his name would call it, doing his little tinkering, uh, lineup tinkering. So it's a yeah. really important time. Uh, you'll be on right here on Twitch, uh, taking people's questions, helping people get their lineups set, and discussing it with amazing guests. Absolutely. And you know what? I got one more Ask Andy question that just came in on Twitter. Oh, okay, good. Game. I yeah, figured, yeah, go for and it. And because of the relation to tonight's game and similar. So this is from uh, Paul Souza 80 says Tua tonight versus Cincy or Tannehill versus Indy leaning to Tua. Mm. This is interesting. I right? think I'd go Tannehill. Because, well, here, so here's, it, it's kind of that tweener thing because it's the backup option. Okay. Well, Aaron Rodgers was a bit of an easier ask. Are we believing in Tannehill? And while people have been dumping on the Titans and rightfully so, 
The fantasy numbers for Tannehill have not been that bad. Yeah. Now, it's against Indy, tough defense, but I'm with you. I'm leaning for Tannehill against Indy um, because Thursday nights can be weird. They might want to run the ball more. One wrong hit. Tua has been injury prone. Short week, out. yeah. Short week, right? Um, I would go with, uh, with Tannehill for sure on this one. Yeah, then it's a judgment call, but I'll go yeah. with the guy who I think is going to finish the game more likely. And, and I'm not, yeah. I have questions about Tua finishing the game tonight. So, it, it, Absolutely. And it's the short week, et cetera, coming off of an injury. You have your, your best bud, Jalen Waddell. He's injured too with Tua. Yeah. So um, I think you go there, you go with Tannehill, and you rock and roll. And yeah, I'll be answering questions. Hashtag Ask Andy on Twitter at AndyMC81 all week on the show, 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sundays. We'll get everybody ready for for week four and see what happens. I love it, man. Thanks so much, as always, for joining me. Can't wait to see you on Sunday, buddy. All right, man. Talk to you later. Take care. There's Andy McNamara. Check him out Sunday mornings, 11 a.m. right here on twitch.tv slash ultimate fantasy sports. Ask Andy. Get your fantasy lineups ready. All right, we're going to shift gears fantasy football to fantasy hockey when we come back. Michael Amato of Dauber Hockey, Goalie Post, and Sportsnet. Congratulations to him. Uh, We are going to chat about a number of things going on in training camps, especially a situation happening out west in Vancouver. So give me uh, 30 seconds. I'll get the shot set up, and we will be right back. Twenty-four in uh, the Eastern Time Zone. This show is just flying by. Uh, I can't believe it's uh, almost over. Uh, but we have some amazing stuff still to come for you. Um, we are going to talk right now about some fantasy hockey and information that uh, you need to know uh, because I don't know if you are uh, already had your uh, fantasy drafts or if it's coming up. Uh, but if it is. We're going to help you out uh, with what you need to know. And joining us is uh, our good friend, Michael Amato from Dauber Hockey, of course, Goalie Post and Sportsnet. Uh, Congratulations, Michael. Uh, We saw the uh, post this week uh, that you'll be covering fantasy hockey for Sportsnet as well. So that is great to hear. Thanks, Dean. Yeah, looking forward to it starting next week. Awesome. Beautiful. Uh, but this is, a, this is kind of a, uh, such an interesting time right now. We talked last week about guys that you know, need some line luck and things like that. And there's a lot of training camp sort of luck that also kind of extends to that a little bit. And, and while I caution people not to get too caught up in preseason statistics, I would 
uh, caution them about watching what lines people are playing on in the preseason as opposed to who's scoring against AHL or ECHL lineups. How how important is the preseason, but also how can you get carried away with the preseason for people out there as well? Yeah, I think it's easy to fall into uh, a trap of getting too excited about things we see in the preseason. But at the same time, I think probably the biggest thing to watch is um, – just opportunities that are, that are created, right? Like we see a lot of injuries uh, in camp and obviously that'll bump a player up in the lineup. And sometimes it ends up being a really good thing for the, for the whole season. Sometimes it doesn't, you know, work out at all. Or sometimes that player might even just be, you know, useful for the first month or two of the season, maybe as a short-term ad. So um, it's definitely good to pay attention and just see how some of the line combinations are are shaking up and and sort of seeing who's maybe uh, taking advantage of some opportunities that you didn't think they had originally. Yeah, it's you know it's it's different than those playoff guys like you know the 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 most famous John Drews uh, stories about the playoff heroes where they come out that that's yeah. different because those guys are legendary. You don't hear about preseason legends. The biggest one that comes to mind is you know I'm in Edmonton and and Ty Ratty was on McDavid's line for a little bit in the preseason and everybody thought this was going to be the second coming now and you know it was obvious to most people that this was just a strange experiment the Oilers were trying. So opportunity is important, but realistic expectations for certain players have to have to come into play and historic value. It's not like all of a sudden a guy goes from a career AHLer to being on the line with the best guy in the world. That just rarely happens. Yeah, no, totally. And I think when we talk about some of these players and, and some of these opportunities, um, you know, it's definitely not, um, you know, an invitation to go out and, and draft them, you know, pretty high up in your leagues. It's more, just, right. and a lot of them might not even, a lot of them might not even be draftable. It just might be, Hey, put this in the back of your, your mind, make a note of it and keep an eye on it for the first week or so. If you see said player is sticking with that line and, and he's off to a good start, then Hey, maybe there's a good waiver wire ad. And if it doesn't work out, then it's really, um, you know, not a lot lost. You know, you can just drop them again and grab somebody else. So the first guy we're first kind of situation we're going to talk about is is what's happening in in Vancouver and Brock Besser is injured again. Uh, unfortunately, he did have a career high seventy one games played last year, but that that's a career high like seventy one. This is a guy unfortunately that's oft injured. Obviously, uh, can produce. Um, so obviously you're looking at Brock Besser and, and probably moving him down right now with him being out three to four weeks, but that does, as you talk about, mean opportunity for somebody else. Yep, for sure. And, and it's definitely uh, tough luck for Besser. I think I, I had him pegged for his first 30 goal season this year. Um, had he stayed healthy, he might, might still hit it depending on uh, how soon he comes back. But um, it's interesting to see for a lot of these Canuck players, um, you know, like Pedersen, Horvat, and JT Miller especially really excelled when Boudreaux took over. Um, but obviously they only got a little more than half a season with him last year. So seeing that for a full year um, should produce some really, really strong results. And I think um, there was talk of maybe the Canucks stacking that top line with uh, Pedersen, Miller, and uh, Besser. So I thought Besser would really thrive there this year. Uh, but now that he's gone, one name that I, I think I've seen kind of floating around is um, Andre Kuzmenko, who um, had a lot of hype this off season. And, and I had a lot of questions about him this summer, just what his prospects were. And I wasn't necessarily super high on him just because um, I think once you get past that Canucks top line, it, it's, it's tougher to get, get offense out of that group. But um, I saw the other day he was practicing on power play one. We'll see um, how he does there in the preseason. If, if he takes advantage of that opportunity and, 
maybe if he gets a bump up in the lineup as well with Besser gone now, if he gets to play with uh, maybe a Pedersen or a JT Miller, that I think that could really help his value. I think he's probably um, a guy that's known to some people, but you might be able to find much later in your drafts or potentially even off, off waivers early in the year if uh, he really does take off. So it, it kind of brings up an interesting point. When, when there's a guy like that um, that you kind of have on your radar, I, I, I sometimes am of the feeling like, I want to go get that guy, but a lot of people want to wait. And obviously the big worry is waiting too long and somebody else is thinking the same thing. That's kind of the art of a, of a draft strategy is knowing, you know, not just who to pick, but when to pick them and when to wait uh, to, to maybe pick them at another time. It's risky, but if you can do it, you can get some really, really good gems uh, at different spots. Yep. And it's, and it's also probably the art of um, how well you know your fellow fantasy hockey players in your league and, and how well you think um, they're also paying attention and, and when you think that player is going to get drafted, right? I, I think we see a lot of it with goalies too. A lot of people trying to wait a little bit later to, to grab a goalie and you're always thinking like, uh, can, I, can I pass him up for one more pick? Will it get back to me before he goes? It's always kind of like a cat and mouse game there. But yeah, it's a good point that, that you mentioned of like, kind of understanding your league and, and when when guys are going to get taken relative to like the players in your league and when they're picking. Yeah, I, like I, I'm sort of of the mindset, like if you like a player, go get him. You know, I've talked to Craig Button about this and, you know, draft years where they were drafting and they waited and waited on a guy and then he got taken and they're like, well, why didn't we just take yeah. that guy, right? So I'm kind of of the mindset, if you like a guy enough, uh, you should go out and get him. One guy that that I think should be drafted a lot higher this year, and, and you have him on this list, is Phil Kessel. And, you know, Phil Kessel has been productive. I, I think the, uh, the, the myth that Phil Kessel is not a good team player, is not a good defensive player, all that stuff is garbage. I mean, he proved how good he was in Pittsburgh, winning those cups, being an important player on those teams. And he went to a bad Arizona team and still had uh, over 40 assists. Now... Uh, you know, I talked to Kelly McCrimmon when they signed this this player in in in, in Phil Kessel, and then they love him and they think they have he has a lot more. And obviously, uh, he's getting some ice time with Jack Eichel. I mean, this could be a really great situation. Again, another situation you should watch. But I think Eichel and 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 the Eichel situation gives Kessel more of a bump in in drafts going into them, in my opinion. Yeah, totally. And like you mentioned, uh, he, he had 52 points last year on a, on a pretty bad uh, Arizona team. So now he's going to a much better spot. Um, obviously, if he gets into that top six, um, I think if he, if he sticks with Eichel, um, that would be a lot better, obviously. But I think anywhere in that top six, he still has value. Um, yeah, and, and him and Eichel have been playing together so far in the preseason. He assisted on, a, on an Eichel goal the other night. Um, so yeah, he's someone that can also probably play on you know, at least one of your power plays. I don't know if he'll be on the first power play in Vegas, but he'll probably be on at least the second. Um, and <laughs> excuse me. Yeah. He's got a lot of talent. Um, and yeah, like you said, you know, he's had maybe a bad rap, but as far as, you know, some of the defensive play goes or what kind of a teammate he is or whatever, not, I don't know if that's founded or not, but I know in fantasy hockey, um, that's not super relevant as long as the player is, uh, you know, producing points, if he's producing 50 or 60 points, um, unless he's got like a horrible plus minus, I don't think you're, you're too concerned with, uh, his, his defensive, his defensive attributes or what kind of shape he is or whatever other, uh, things people want to say about Phil Kessel. But yeah, I think it's, I think it's a guy that also needs to be in a, in a spot where, Hey, the team's going to be competitive and he feels important. Like they have a chance to win. Um, I think you saw that 
in Toronto when the team struggled and then he went to Pittsburgh and he just excelled. And then I think again, he goes to Arizona, they kind of, you know, obviously are going in the wrong direction, rebuilding. And now I think you're going to hopefully see him pick it up again in Vegas. Yeah. And, and this is a, I, I look at this Vegas team and I think a lot of that top six can be interchangeable and, you know, Phil Kessel still has to stick in that top six because I think going into it, a lot of people had him in their top nine, but you're right. If he gets in that top six, the power plays are interchangeable. Um, I, I think that's a really, really good situation for him and for, for Vegas. Now, I'm not saying I think Phil Kessel's like a, a, a third round pick or anything in your drafts. I, I still think he's a, a, you know, a late, later pick, but a guy that you should be probably moving up or at least watching a lot more closely because there's no reason Phil Kessel in a top six could be a 65, 70 point. Who knows with, with Vegas, if he's a 50 point guy in Arizona, he could be a 60 point guy with better line mates in Vegas. Yeah, easily. And I think the other thing we should probably mention is, you know, he doesn't miss any games, right? Like he's, he's going to pass Keith Yandel probably in the first few weeks of the season for the Ironman streak. And, and that's huge for fantasy hockey. You know, you, you know, you're going to get probably 82 games out of them. Um, You know, the only, the only risk is I think some of those other Vegas players um, there's, there's more concern in that area, like whether it's Mark Stone or Eichel about missing time. And if that happens, what's, what's that going to mean for Kessel? But yeah, I think there's there's enough positives about Kessel in Vegas to to definitely take a chance on him, that's for sure. I, it's a great point by you. A games played are currency for fantasy owners, so you're getting every game. You know Phil Kessel is going to be productive, um, so you know you can throw him out there. It's, it's an absolutely good point. But if the guys around him are falling down with injuries, uh, it's not going to help. All right, uh, let's talk about some goaltenders. And Philip Grubauer looking pretty good uh, early, again, obviously preseason. But uh, the Kraken have a couple of shutouts. Uh, this is a, a an area of obvious weakness. Philip Grubauer had you know a great season in Colorado, went and signed uh, you know the contract, and then struggled. This is kind of like the redemption tour year for him, and I, and I like guys on redemption tours. I think they have a lot to prove, so I like those guys in fantasy. Yeah, definitely. And I he's probably the goalie I had the most questions about in the summer. Everyone was asking me if they should take a chance on him. Um, and it's really, it's going to be interesting to see how he bounces back. Um, because like you said, you can probably get him, um, in a, in a lower draft spot because of the year he had last year. Um, there's a lot of upside to his game because of that. He's going to play a ton, um, probably because there's not a lot, there's nobody really there. There's, I think Martin Jones is there to challenge him for starts. He's not going to really give, give much in the way of that. So I think Grubauer is going to play a ton. Um, and that's always valuable if your league has, you know, count saves and things like that. So he's definitely um, a starter that's going to play a lot. So I, I think the only concern I would have with him is I think if people are just taking a glance at his season last year, they might chalk it up to, you know, the crack and being an expansion team and, and being really weak. But if you actually look at some of their um, defensive metrics last year, they were pretty good defensively. Like they were top 10 in high danger chances allowed shots allowed total scoring chances allowed. So it wasn't really a case of, of the team just being really poor defensively in front of him. I think a lot of it um, was Grubauer really struggling, um, which at first glance you, you, you may not think. Um, because, yeah, I think we know a lot of, of goaltending now is sort of um, related to team structure and how goalies really succeed or fail is a lot of times related to the team in front of them. So that's one thing that concerned me about his numbers last year. But I think there's definitely a lot of opportunity with him because you can probably get get him at a good value draft pick, maybe get him for a good price in a trade even or something like that. There's just a lot of upside 
um, to take a chance on him. And yeah, as you mentioned, so far the Kraken haven't given up a goal in the preseason. Uh, Grubauer looked really sharp in his one appearance. So yeah, there's definitely reason to be uh, optimistic. But again, you know, preseason, take it with a grain of salt. But uh, I think you can hope for the best uh, with some of the stuff we've heard about Grubauer so far and, and sort of, I think, maybe the way uh, the team is trending this year. And, you know, it'd be interesting to watch Darcy Kemper. He's kind of going uh, similar but different situation, leaving Colorado after winning a cup and, you know, having good numbers, obviously going to a more established team in Washington. Um, you know, I, I think Kemper was in, in, in a lot of the leagues. He was top five last year. I'm not sure if the win totals will be as much, but still, I think that that's another situation worth watching. And and I, I still think you're going to get good value out of Darcy Kemper. He's, I th- still think he can be, you know, top seven in, in goalie points this year. Yeah, for sure. He, he's obviously a, a high-end starter on a quality team. He's, he's again, he doesn't have anybody to really challenge him for playing time. So mm-hmm. he's probably going to, he's going to push, you know, 55, 60 starts again, you know, if he's healthy. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I think just, Everyone leaving Colorado, it's it's always an adjustment because you know the Abs are so good and and they just play in the other team's end a lot, right? So anytime you're you're playing in the other team's end, you're not going to give up uh, that many goals. So I think it's always going to be an adjustment. But I think his, I think Kemper's kind of um, landing will be a lot softer than Grubauer's because I think the Caps are obviously a much stronger team. Yeah, and it could be better for fantasy because he's going to face more shots, actually, uh, than than yep. uh, in uh, Colorado. All right, so the John Tavares situation in Toronto, uh, out three weeks. Uh, and again, just like we talked about with Brock Besser, this this opens up playing time. I think they said Michael Bunting was going to get some power play uh, time in, in place of Tavares. But uh, there's other guys that get impacted, not just for moving up, but not having John Tavares, namely uh, Mr. Nylander. Is, is he the guy that's big? impacted without Tavares? Yeah, I would probably say so. Um, I, I think Nylander, you know, he's been moved around a lot over the past couple of years for the Leafs. Um, he's moved up a little bit. He's moved down to the third line. Um, I think he'll be okay as long as, you know, Tavares isn't out for, for longer than um, what's already been stated, you know, the, the three weeks or so. Um, i just curious to see how it's going to affect some other younger players trying to make the team. Like, uh, you know, this was maybe an opportunity for, for Nick Robertson to step up and, and possibly play on that line with Tavares and Nylander. Um, but now, obviously, someone like him being a more offensive type player um, without Tavares there, I don't know if that's the perfect role for him. Um, I think Dennis Malgin scored a goal last night and drew a couple of penalties. He's the guy that I think the Leafs are, are looking at that might be able to fill that role. Um, you know, maybe Alex Kerfoot, who played the wing on that line last year, shifts to the middle um, and, and, you know, Maybe uh, they keep him with Willie and, and William Nylander and see if Robertson fits with those two. So I think it's just, I think Tavares, like a lot of people have talked about him losing a step in, in the past couple of years, but he, he really holds that line together. And I think without him, um, there's, there's really like a lot of uncertainty with, with a lot of the players around there. Yeah, he, he, it's funny how John Tavares kind of gets lost in the shuffle uh, in that Toronto uh, media spotlight and that in, in that team as well, because this is obviously an incredibly talented guy. Um, so the Pittsburgh Penguins, um, I, this is an interesting team. You know, they've, they've brought in a new new uh, crew in, in Hextel and in, in Burke, and they're sort of like trying to uh, retool on the fly with, with their veterans, and they re-signed Malkin. One of the guys that they got last year was Ricard Raquel. What do you think, is, is this a guy that people should be bumping up because of who he might play with in that top six? Yeah, he's he's such a difficult player because he always seems like, 
he's going to produce so much more than he does. And, and obviously like, it seems like he might, he might end up fitting with, with Crosby and Gensel, which, which is like an obvious player you'd want to grab um, just for playing with those two alone. You figure he should put up a lot of points, but he's kind of disappointed the last few years. You know, he's had really low shooting percentages over the past few seasons. And I think a lot of times we tend to think those will kind of, um, you know, even themselves out with, with Raquel, I think it just might be an issue of him not being the best finisher. I know he had a few 30 goal seasons um, a while back, but he hasn't really come close to that since. And already, you know, this preseason, he's got he's got seven shots in, in two games and no goals. So it's kind of already trending to, to what he does. He's just a guy that sort of struggles to finish uh, of late. So I don't know. I think I think the opportunity is there. It's worth taking a chance on him. But I think you also need to sort of temper your expectations that, hey, like this guy has a lot of talent, but he's just one of those players, you know, that might not be the best finisher and might not produce you the best results. But if you're playing with Crosby and Gensel, I mean, he's probably going to provide something for you at some point. Yeah, you think playing with those guys, the puck's at least going to bounce off you. But it's the same. You know, when when Phil Kessel went to Pittsburgh, everybody says, oh, this guy's going to score 50, 60. And he turned into a a disher. Like, he turned into a, you know, more creative uh, player. And it's it's not just like, oh, this guy has skill, this guy has skill, and this guy has skill. Throw them together and see what what happens. You have to have chemistry. And and I agree. Raquel has all the, the attributes, but kind of leaves you wanting more. So, you know, there, there are some guys that you're like, okay, I'm not sure I want to take a chance on that guy, but you should always have a watch list going of guys that you maybe wanted to draft or, or didn't or, or for whatever reason. That's a guy that kind of st- I would rather put on my watch list than actually draft because I have been disappointed. Now, watch, this is the year he, he comes out gangbusters, yeah. right? But there, there are guys like that for me every year. Like like David Perron is a guy that I like drafting late in rounds because he just seems to always produce. Raquel has been a guy who's left me wanting more, so he would more go on my watch list. But everybody obviously is a little bit different. Yeah, no, and you bring up Perron's a great example of a guy that not a lot of people talk about, but his, his point paces over the last five years have just been like off the charts and he always produces, like he always puts up big numbers. Um, but again, he doesn't maybe have the, the flash of a Raquel um, and, and maybe like some of the, the, I guess, pedigree you would say of, of talent like Raquel does, but he just produces. And I think, you know, a lot of people look at Raquel and think he's always going to, going to break out and it just really hasn't come. And who knows, like you said, maybe, maybe this is the year. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of those guys that are going to be paired with two really elite players in the top six, they're always worth, you know, a, yeah, a minimum keeping them on your watch list. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, so we, we talked last week about guys filling out different categories, which is, you know, obviously important. You know, points rule fantasy, especially if, if goals are, are weighted or things like that. But uh, a situation on Long Island with Alex Romanoff playing with Noah Dobson. Tell us why that's worth watching right now. So I really made note of that because um, Romanov is really great if your league has hits and blocks. Um, he, he was the t- in the top 20 in both categories last year. Um, he can probably give you two of each per game, roughly. Um, but his issue is he's a very, very low point score. I think he had 13 points in all, all of last year. Um, but Dobson's obviously a much stronger offensive player. Um, if they're making up that, that first pairing in Long Island and if he gets a lot more more playing time and a bigger role, maybe, you know, Romanov, if he gets, even if he, even if he gets up to 25 points, I think that's yeah. a player you can roster in, in a deep league. If he gives you those other categories, you know, as maybe your last defenseman or, 
or somebody you can rotate in off the bench. Um, because yeah, th- those volume categories are really key and there's not many guys that kind of fill in both the hits and blocks the way he does. Um, but yeah, the, his point totals definitely leave something to be desired. So you got to make sure you sort of compensate uh, for that with other players. Yeah, I, I like those guys as um, you know spot fillers. I mean, you 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 know you're you're probably like you said you can rotate them in and out and know you're going to pick up a few different categories. You know, baseball those stolen base guys. You know, throw them in to try to win that category or, or whatever it might be. But um, I, I think you know the big the big thing when you go into drafting the same thing in the NHL is what are your expectations if you're if you're drafting Romanoff and thinking he's going to be every day for you in fantasy your expectations are wrong unfortunately in my opinion but if you're looking at him as a, being a guy can fill in whereas some of the other guys uh, it's all about expectations and the same thing with fantasy if you draft a guy that you're expecting 40 points for him and you get 5 well is it that guy's fault or was it your fault for the expectations you had yeah, totally. And you definitely have to have like the fine roles for, for most of the players that you take. And, you know, obviously like it's great if a guy like Austin Matthews gets some hits, but you know exactly why you're, you're drafting Austin Matthews. And, and I think it works the other way too, right? Like, you know, if you're drafting a Romanov, um, yeah, he's not going to put up a lot of points, but you know, if you do have, if you can't win the goals category, but you can win the hits in the blocks category, you know, it's just as well, right? Like those categories are worth the same at the end of the day. And there's not too many players um, you can roster that don't score a lot of points, but Romanov is probably one of them. Yeah, and, and that's important is finding those guys because if you get the wrong guy, you're just getting nothing out of them. Uh, you know, it's, it's finding those right guys that are just kind of on the periphery, right on the edge of being, you know, fan, and maybe a lot of people don't know about them because that's, in the end, is, is t- taking players or waiver wires or things like that could, could certainly put you, uh, put you over the top. Uh, and and win your league. I mean, you, you know, you you can't just draft your team and sit back. You know, you have to be watching for guys that get hot and cold. In my opinion, if if you don't do that, you're just donating your money. Yeah, totally. And you have to look um, a lot of times in, in the not so obvious places for players. Um, yeah, and look for other players that guy uh, people in your league won't be targeting as well, right? Um, some of like Romanov's probably not on the radar in a, in a lot of leagues um, unless you're in a really deep multi cat league. He he might be, but yeah, he's he's someone that can give you, I think, a lot of value um, that, yeah, like a lot of people wouldn't probably be thinking about drafting him or probably he'll be sitting on waivers in most leagues. And yeah, you might be able to find something there um, that gives you a huge boost. Awesome stuff, Michael. As usual, uh, Dauber Hockey, Goalie Post, and now Sportsnet. Uh, terrific to have you on board. And I think you gave a lot of people a lot to think about uh, heading into some drafts this weekend. Thank you so much, as always, for joining us today. Anytime, Dean. Thanks. You bet. There's Michael uh, Amato. You can uh, read him, uh, find him on uh, Twitter at Amato underscore Mike and uh, Dauber Hockey, Goalie Post, Sportsnet. He's got you covered uh, with everything you need when it comes to fantasy hockey. Is your draft uh, coming up? Has it happened already? This is such a great part of the season because the anticipation even if you sucked last year, you could just like the Arizona Coyotes have hope at this time of the year. All right, really quick break. When we come back, we'll check in with what is happening tonight. This is Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily on Ultimate Fantasy Sports Twitch channel. 
All right, uh, 5.52 in the east, 3.52 in the mountain time zone where I am located. Final segment of Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily. My name is Dean Millard. Thank you so much uh, for being a part of the program today. We're here Monday to Friday, 4 till 6 Eastern. And uh, we like to have a lot of fun on this show. Um... How, like I, I don't understand if tonight's uh, Oil King game isn't packed. I mean, just check this out. You get a chance to watch Connor Bedard for $30 if you're in the Edmonton area. Last time I looked earlier today, there was tickets still available. $30 for the best player not in the NHL right now. This guy in the summer was available to watch and ticket prices were high at the World Juniors. Next year, add a one or a two in front of that. So you're going to be paying 100 or $230 to see Bedard play next year in the NHL. Maybe for Arizona, maybe for Montreal, maybe for Chicago. Who knows? You could see him tonight for $30 against the Oil Kings. And he's producing already. Three goals and an assist in two games. This is a special player that has an elite shot. Your opportunity to take this guy, or take your family, take your son or daughter, take your brother, anybody, take, the, take somebody to the game. And then next year when this guy is lighting it up for the Calder Trophy, you can say, I remember I watched that guy for $30. This is the best deal you will ever find. Bang for your buck. Because, like I said, next year it'll probably cost you $230 to watch him play in the NHL. In the lower bowl. So, number 98, Connor Bedard with the Giant Pats in Edmonton tonight. By the way, Guy Flaming and I, we're going to do a little uh, live pregame show from uh, the rink tonight. Twitch.com. TV slash DMP Live. DM Productions Live is the channel. Working on a little concept uh, for something that uh, we might be able to do. And I'd love to be able to figure out how I can stream it on this channel as well. I just don't have that technology. Maybe somebody out there is smarter than me. But 6.25 p.m. Mountain Time, 8.25 p.m. Eastern Time, Guy and I will be at Roger's Place on Twitch. You should be there. $30. It's incredible. It is an incredible deal to watch an incredible hockey player. You know, the shot is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. All right. Uh, so Aaron Judge has 61 home runs with seven games remaining. If you missed it earlier, this is what Judge did last night off Tim Meza, historic pitcher, uh, sinker. That simply didn't sink. Tell me what you think of the call. Here's Judge making history. And the 3-2. Drill deep to left field. This could be it. See ya. He's done it. Number 61. He's been chasing history. And now he makes it. He and Roger Maris are tied with 61 home runs. The most anybody has ever hit in a single season in American League history.
61 years ago in 1961, Roger Maris hit 61 home runs. That record in the American League is held up through all these years. And 61 years later, Aaron Judge has tied it. And you can see a sense of joy and relief on his face. It was wearing on him just a bit. But with that one swing, he makes history. All right. So it is incredible. I give that call like a B, maybe. I, I wasn't that great. I, I like my, I've, I've gotten to like uh, the Yankees broadcast and Michael K a lot more. But that was a B. Like he talked too much. Learn from Vin Scully. Let the play breathe. And I know it was in Toronto and Jays fans weren't exactly going nuts, but still. So I don't know. It was not my favorite call. I hope 62 is better. I love the symmetry numbers and everything. I hope 62 is better. Just my opinion. You might feel differently. That's totally fine. As for our question of the day, who has been the biggest disappointment through three weeks of fantasy football? Chime in if you want on Twitch or at Duck Millard on Twitter. And our top three, after Judge ties a record, what are the most unbreakable records? I got Glenn Hall's 502 straight games, Cy Young's 749 complete games, and Jerry Rice almost 23,000 receiving yards. That's it for me. Uh, reminder, if you need some great production work, Hit me up at DM Productions. Info, Productions at gmail.com. Whatever you need for your project, we will take it to the next level. And with that, I'm going to say goodnight. Have yourself a wonderful Thursday evening. Enjoy whatever it is you will be watching tonight, whether that's Thursday Night Football on Prime Video, or you'll be at Roger's Place where I will be watching Connor Bernard for $30 sensational have yourself a great evening thank you very much uh, for joining me on the program today we will be back again tomorrow at 4 p.m see you then thanks now bye-bye 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 bye-bye